0: welcome to the school run i'm jane and i'm Liv, and we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run
1: we will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation we
0: all remember our own school run so maybe have a think about yours what do you remember Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've actually physically recorded this podcast, Mm. so today feels a little bit odd for us. But if this is your first time listening, thank you for being here. My name's Jane. I'm joined by my 16-year-old daughter, Liv, and we started the School Run podcast in February this year, 2023. Mm -hmm. We had a really long journey to school and a long journey Uh, home. Can I
1: just say something? I'm so glad that's in past tense now. It is in past tense now. The first episode in past tense as it's
0: all over. She's finished her GCSEs and next year she's going to college nearer to home. So we're very excited about that. Um, but we started this podcast because we had a long school run. We had lots of conversations and we wanted to bring guests on our journey and just... Growing wisdom and learning from other people. Everybody's got a fascinating story to share, and you can always learn something from somebody else. Tonight, um, as we're recording this in the evening, we're talking with um, a gentleman called Dan McClelland, and he is the. Um, well, I'm going to let him introduce himself <laughs> because he's got such an incredible background story. He was a chef. Um, he also runs um, Foodamentals, some social media accounts looking at how to cook and prepare beautiful food. Foodamentals is amazing. Mm. He's in food development now with a range of huge high st- um, high street supermarkets that we'll all know the names of um, in that food development role. And I just think it's just going to be a fascinating chat. How are you feeling, Liv?
1: Well, you can tell. Can you hear i eating, I'm eating all this stuff. <laughs> so Dan, very kindly, Mom, said, let's do a,
0: tw-. he's an avid listener to the podcast. He reached out yeah. and he said, let's make a twist to our evening and I'm going to send you some samples. Well, he didn't just send me a couple of samples. We've got two huge boxes. We are surrounded by the most amazing snacks mm. and Liv is sat here eating them, Dan. <laughs>
2: Oh, thank you for being on the school run with us. I'm a, I'm absolutely chuffed a bit. I think uh, I'm really excited. It's been first of all, just thank you so much for inviting me on. I, I feel truly honoured. I think really, I think it's the best way I can put it. Um, it's just been uh, it's been fascinating listening to what's been going on and everything that's been been said on these, these podcasts. It's, I've not listened to all of them yet. I'm gradually getting through them. I have an hour's journey to work each day. And then I listen to that in between singing and various other things. So it's um, it takes up uh, my my time, my journey. So it, it shortens the journey as well. Um, but it's been, um, it's, I've absolutely loved it. I've uh, I've I've made notes and things as well because the little things that remember. I always use Siri a lot as well while I'm while I'm driving. So um, I just remind. I think oh yes, they just said something there, and that just rings a bell. So it's uh, a really oh, wow. good the. the um, um, one of the first things that really stuck in my mind was um, just sort of going off a slight, sorry, I do go off at tangents like this. <laughs> oh, like, don't worry, Dan, go on. <laughs> was um, um, Liv mentioned something about um, a few years ago with a, an analogy about your, analogy, is that like um, the The story around um, making hot chocolate and the fact that, that you, you you have a way of doing it, but your dad wants to, he knows, needs to know step by step. Mm, yeah. you just want to just chuck it in a in a cup and, and make yeah. it and it's both of them are not right or wrong. Mm. It's just a yeah, you know, simple way of doing yeah, one person has a one way of doing it, another another. Um the other thing that really so just cut me off if I start talking too much because I just rabble on. Um <laughs> was the um I think a massive shout out has got to go to Liv as well, because I listened to the first episode. Right, and you need to listen back
1: because I did. you
2: were you were very quiet, you were very timid, you didn't really say an awful lot, and it was sort of like, and now you you can't you, your mum can't get a word in edgeways, <laughs> <I know. laughs> which is it's not a negative, it's great, it's fantastic. <laughs> Just, She's really yeah.
0: grown in this process, hasn't oh, she? And I think that massively. that's just been incredible because we didn't know where it would go. Honestly, Dan, we thought my mum and dad would listen, and maybe my sister and a few friends. But you know, it's just been incredible. And like even today, someone posted on LinkedIn and wrote the words: "This the School Run Podcast is up there as my second favorite podcast
2: behind
1: wow. Stephen wow. Bartlett Diary of a CEO." Excuse me, second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's not, well. good. That's not good enough.
0: <laughs> so I've tagged Stephen Bartlett. We'll see if he actually has a listen and, and he's in, under any threat in any way of having number one spot. <laughs> but well, let's go on to your story, Dan. I mean, oh, you, you, know, you started, obviously, the way we know each other, um, we've been in, in each other's lives sort of distantly, I suppose, through the wonderful Julie for... I would imagine now 16 years plus
2: it will be now yes not far uh, off absolutely because
0: difficult. you're married to, to to Julie Armstrong one of our amazing franchisees within Little Voices and I've often done I go travelling around the country and, and staying and Julie always wants me to stay with you um, and <laughs> I, ju- I can't say no because I just know that <laughs> dinner is going to be exquisite live honestly <laughs> like <laughs> incredible it's like being in a fine dining Michelin star <laughs> restaurant
2: <laughs> it's, always, um, it's always nice having you there because you know you we know I think it's one of the things that you tend to learn a bit I think around the food industry is that when you've got a an established experience and and time in the food industry the payoffs are massive because if you can learn about food maybe not necessarily as a total career but if you can learn something about food it's the one thing that draws people together because if you can if you can cook even just a little bit you know if you can cook something decent then it brings people together and they just love you know it shows your affection as well and you know, your appreciation but it just helps so much to just get people together and just enjoy and sit around and have a meal so it's always it's always been good when you've come down to a house. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's been, it, honestly, it's been amazing. And do you know that. that Dan also, when we have Lambda exams at Little Voices, he does the most incredible platters of lunches for the Lambda examiners at yeah, Little Voices Peterborough. I mean, it must be talked <laughs> about at Lambda, that. I, I, I'm absolutely sure of it. But so how did you get into what, you know, how was school and how did you choose okay. being a chef? Well, my,
2: I, I suppose my biggest shout-out has to go to my mother, really. It has to, because... um my mum sort of well was always a very good cook. She was um yeah, and I, I used to sit and watch watch her cooking. So that's the, the first thing that sort of gave me the gave me the buzz. Um if I go way back and I'm trying to, not to sound like I'm in a I'm in an interview, trying to even <laughs> read out my C V but um <laughs> it's um so I went obviously went to school. Now um there's a little story at the end as well about the school run that I can tell you a bit more about, but um the um and back in the in the day, one of the things I'm quite sort of envious envious of at the moment is that when Lib has talked about her school advice and school, um, you know, careers advice, is my careers advice was literally, obviously a long time ago now. But it was It was in a in a. I even remember the smell of the room and the darkness of the wood. That's how I remember it. It was a. It was a dank. Horrible little room that you just walked into and saw a careers advisor, and he would basically say to you, "What do you want to do?" <laughs> and that <laughs> was it. And it was just—it was kind of around that. You had a bit of advice, but it was very, very little. So, um, at the time, I was very—I um, enjoyed, yeah, helping out in the in the kitchen at home and helping my mum. And I just happened to say, "I like, I like, I like doing cooking." And that's where that started. That the the whole thought around. Um, so it was it was kind of just by default. It was a bit sort of. I didn't really have careers advice. It was literally just yeah. You know, if you enjoy cooking, um, and then that sort of, that took me on to. Um, I, I, Jane, you'd mentioned before about having to just grab. Um, things that people offer you to you know go and try something. And try, I absolutely thoroughly really recommend that. As I started working as a, uh, a washer-upper in a in a restaurant, again going back a few years, you could work at school age. You could work in in restaurants and pubs even. And I uh, I worked in a um, a French restaurant in Maidstone in Kent a long time ago, and um, just started learning starting. Yeah, you know, appreciating what what others other chefs did, and I was obviously just washing up. And eventually, I did peel potatoes, and then could move on to carrots and various other bits. But and then um, that then sparked the idea of going to catering college. So um, I was uh, I went to Southend Technical College in Broadstairs, and I did a three year uh, chef's course. So there were two different ways. You can either go down the sort of hospitality, being a waiter route, or you can go down the chef route. So I decided to go down the chef route, which was my best option. And I did two years there, and passed um, flying colours for the first two years, and then got But well, can I ask
0: you? Was it very was it male dominated at that time, or was it more female dominated? What was the um,
1: ratio in terms of that's, gender? That's interesting because I remember <laughs> Aunt. Aunt, my stepdad downstairs, I was like, Aunt, what did you do for GCSE? He said, oh, I was in uh, food tech. I was the only boy in there. And then he said, he he just said he got loads of dates for prom because he was in (laughs) in food tech. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I doubt
2: it. (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, I must admit, it was probably an equal split. It was an equal split, which I think, yeah, it was, um, um, I think it's it turned into a more male orientated, I think, but that's now flipping back. I think when you see some of the um, some of the cookery shows and cookery programmes, that um, um, it, it's it's more of an equal split now. But back then, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then I did um, uh, one of my turning points in my life was I did Hotel Olympia, which is a a world world class competition in London. And it was in between um we I I had to cook a fish dish. I did a salmon dish with lime and um, various bits and it was pan fried and um and it was it was the year it used to run every year and then one the year before me was the army were in the competition and they won everything because they had the resources and the time. And then um this year they said, Well look, we'll um the army is still competing but we need to get people in to compete against them and um in this competition I won a uh, silver medal the army My won gold no. and bronze and I was slap bang in the middle of the silver medal <laughs> so, Brilliant. Um, so that was a turning point I got judged by um, Albert Rue, who's no longer now but there's Albert Roux Jr that's uh, the chef but and Prue Leith. Yes. There's the link to the cakes and live and yeah, there you go. See? Absolutely. <laughs> He's
1: making so, me hungry and I've just eaten all your chocolate
2: popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so I did I did um, I did the, the hotel Olympia and got the gold medal. And then again, I'm linking back to some of the stories you told me in the past and some of the things I'm trying to in a way impart on this on this call is that um one thing i did do was when i was at college the last year we then um i I took a job for i had a choice of going down to london or traveling and i went to switzerland so i did i did an over the phone interview with a with a company in switzerland and they said yeah you got the job okay right when do i start it was about three days later i just finished almost finished college and um so I I got the train over to uh, to North Switz in Switzerland near Zurich, and uh, turned up with a rucksack and a bag at five o'clock in the morning. Um, pulled up to the restaurant, and the guy came out and said, "Are you Dan? Yeah, right. You can start. Put your stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's your whites. you whites. <laughs> Off you go." And it was um, it was literally. I'd been traveling for probably nearly 18 hours, 18, 20 hours. And it, that's where my, my sort of, you know, the career started, really, was, was the first role there. And it no. was a multitude. Um, the one thing we find with, with catering is that it's very – you move around a lot as a young person, so you're working in different places. So you want to get experience. But one of the things I would say – be most important, I think, to people to listen today is travel, 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 travel. <laughs> because one of the things I go back to every time when sorry, I'm doing lots of things with my hands here. I get very uh, <laughs>
0: animated. <laughs> so, animated. Don't worry, no one can no one can see us. Dan you can only hear. <laughs> giving with them the is
2: um is one of the, I think just by thinking through notes and ideas for, for, for this. The thing I come back to is the thing you've mentioned before about just go for it. Just, if someone says, why don't you try this, just give it a go. And yeah. And the biggest one for me was traveling because I, I, I was dumped into a, a, a restaurant in Switzerland. I knew no languages. Um, I knew nobody. I didn't know where I was going to be living. I had nothing just turned up. and. Um, uh, I, I then learnt a little bit of Portuguese, a little bit of German, Dutch, uh, uh, Dutch, uh, Swiss, Swiss German, French, and. Yeah, absolutely loved every minute of it. So I would thoroughly. And I suppose suggest...
0: also with the foods, I mean, going to different countries, even different areas of England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, Chinese you know, food. trying different foods, different flavours, mm. the fish in different places. I mean, the, all of this is skill building, isn't it? A knowledge base.
1: Oh, yeah. you're making me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: this was always going to be a tricky episode for you. Liv, oh. We're going to be talking about food the whole time. Oh no,
1: I just wonder is being a, is being a chef. Just like it looks on MasterChef. No. <laughs> um, give, us, give us
0: the give us the highlights, but give us the tricky bits. If someone's considering being a chef, Dan.
2: Well, I'd say that the, the tricky parts are the is the sheer hard work and the hours. It's the you've you've got to love, you've got to enjoy doing it. Not necessarily love, but you've got to enjoy doing it. If you don't enjoy cooking in a in a kitchen environment walk away because you've got to enjoy it so you I mean, yeah it's uh, work and one of the one of the things i got out of it more than anything else was that especially from when i was with my mum was that when you cook for somebody and you see a reaction it's the same thing in a restaurant so that's the it's the, the hours there's a lot of what we call split shifts so you work you know in the morning excuse me and then have a break in the afternoon and go back in the evening. So you're doing stupid hours. It's extremely hard work. It, it, absolutely, without a doubt. I and mean, some of the. You, toughest want you work your feet come
0: I mean, you you don't come off your feet. I imagine so. You are absolutely physically and mentally yeah. exhausted. And lots of jobs are like that. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but you know, a hot kitchen, yeah. a, a compressed working space. Because let's face it, restaurants don't want you to have a big working space because they want more yeah. tables. That's where the money's made.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yes. I mean, it, it's um, but the, the 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 benefits are that it's a great work environment. Yeah, it, it's tough, I know, but it's the same time you meet people, and yeah. But I would, I would, in hindsight, I would have done a lot more travelling, for me personally, because I see nowadays you can see lots of programs about places abroad and fr- not even far away, France and Italy, etc., where you've got chefs working on yachts and things like that. And I would have probably done a little bit more of that if I'm honest with you. But it's um, uh, but the the main thing is just. Yeah, you have to. You have to love it. You have to enjoy it. And yeah, you can, you, it's, it, you, you can get there. It's just uh, I mean, it's diff- it's there's different work. areas. go on, live.
1: No, I was just gonna say, from what I've I know, it's not exactly like Master Chef, but what <laughs> I've seen on TV, like being a chef, I feel like it teaches you a lot of stuff, like the communication you have to have to get everything on the passing time and you have to keep the standard very high and you have to deal with the pressure of, you know, if it gets brought back and you have to redo
2: you're it, fair. then you,
1: like, I bet, <laughs> I'm thinking it sounds really hard.
2: The fact that you're saying to get it on the passing time is you've been listening. <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> that's the that's catering term, putting it on the pass on the Uh, table uh,
0: before it goes out to the restaurant. So it's just... Oh, oh, Dan, I remember when she... You probably remember this from a Facebook picture of mine maybe years ago when she was six or seven and she was doing...
1: um, Oh, what are the, it this? was, it was, um, it was lamb. It was lamb with with um, pea puree, pea puree, fondant <laughs> of potatoes, and asparagus wrapped in parma ham. She can only have been seven, oh, eight, or nine. Wow. I mean, she was obsessed <laughs> with MasterChef. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was not Gordon Ramsay standard. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay standard.
2: I've, worked, I've worked with Jamie Oliver before. Jamie Oliver really? before. Yeah, yeah. I did a charity, charity do for him. Uh, with him, sorry, at, um, at Sainsbury's head office a few years ago, or oh, quite a few years ago now. And, uh, yeah, none of the nicest guys I've ever met, never worked with. Was, yeah, really, really good.
0: Oh, oh that's <laughs> amazing. Is there a certain type of food that you prefer cooking or that you default to now? Because um, I know you're not chefing now and, yeah. and, and life has, has, has developed, but is there something that you still
2: really love to make or your go-to recipe or... I think it's usually I would say is one of the trickiest dishes to do is risotto. You can do it do it really well. That's 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 one of my sort of go to dishes that um, you know, I've done it with um, things like poached haddock. Um, you can have a poached egg on top or you can just I do a, a basic risotto recipe that you can then add anything to. So it's yeah, you know, it, it's it's that's a, the kind of thing I really love to that's my default dish in a way. Yeah. But it's um it, it's kind of taken me on to um because if i sort of carry on through sort of the sort career path as well. So with um, what happened was with it, with, um, with with catering, it's very there's obviously lots of chef jobs you can do. So what happened was when I um, I worked uh, yeah worked in Switzerland, then I worked for various companies, but I then worked for a, um, an airline firm. So I, I developed first some business class meals for British Airways, um, Cathay Pacific, Alitalia. Um, so I was based out of Holland, um, Manchester, Luton, all over the place. Um I did I did chef on board for British Airways, first class. So I was developing first class meals for the airlines. Wow. So um so that that then um that, that then September eleventh hit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how long ago it was. So then um I was made redundant there because everything changed. It changed the whole the whole flying industry. And then I fell into, again, probably in a way this thing about going after stuff that maybe isn't achievable or you should, because I I took on a role, went for a position at a company called Alchard House Foods, which are, they do fruit juices and purees and uh, fruit products for Marks and Spencers. And the role, I was already a chef, but the role was for a development manager. Now, the the way they structured their positions was very different. So a development manager to them was really a development chef to me. But I took on the role and actually became a development manager just by default because actually even though the role was sort of more like a chef role, they called it a development manager role, which Mm -hmm. meant then that once I finished with that company where I moved on was into another proper development manager role. So, wherever yeah. I went, I always went up the ladder. So, we did. Um, so, I worked at Orchard House Foods for about four, four and a half years. And then um, I've worked now within the food development arena for the last 10, 11 years now. I work for so
0: what, so what does a t- what does a typical day look like in food development? I mean, you don't you go into the supermarket. It's a bit like when we had the conversation with Chris Markham about <laughs> football, and he was sort of behind the scenes, wasn't he, in the analysis and technology yeah. side of it, and you know, the analysis side of it. Uh, but you actually just watch a football game on the TV or you go and watch it and you just see the players running around. You know, we go into the supermarket and you see, uh, the, food. And you see the food and you buy it. <laughs> and you've not a thought of what has gone in to behind the scenes of that that food being on those shelves. And I imagine it's a massive, long process. Oh, I also
1: have a question. Okay. Go on, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it harder developing the dish or cooking the dish?
2: Uh, developing it. Developing it, definitely. Yeah, it, it's uh, – um, well, it, it, we have what we call in the industry, I think, called a chicken tikka moment. And what, what this is called is is that you work on around about 70 ideas so if you're developing 70, 70 products, you're going to develop over a period of weeks or months. On the 71, 71st product, that's your one that generally you will then, it'll be a success and it'll be on the shelf. I did I developed liver and bacon for Sainsbury's about 20 years ago. It's still on the shelf. So it's been obviously changed slightly. But um, so generally you, you, you've got to, you start off with, um, and in particular with my current job, it's very um, hands-on. We have to do basically everything to do with the process. So we we come up with the ideas. We work up. We work with market research people to give us a direction of what trends we need to go in. So we were at a trend meeting this week about looking at the next three, six months, uh, year, five years, what's going to be happening trend-wise. And then from that, you're then, you're then given um, an idea of where we're going to be going. So what's next? Is it going to be Mexican, Russian, you know, Lithuanian, whatever it is? So you then go back and you do research online. You get cookery books. You, you play around in the kitchen. And you, you come up with those those products, those ideas on the bench. You do kitchen work on the bench. And then um, what I then do is that we then cost the product. So we do a lot of IT work. We then uh, from that we then present the products to the customer, which can be quite tricky because you might you might spend five hours working on a product you think is the bee's knees, <laughs> It's like <laughs> the best thing since sliced bread. And you'll stick in front of the customer, they'll go don't
0: like it. No, take it away. <laughs> and that customer could be, you know, I'm thinking of the products I've got in front of me here. I've got um roasted and salted cashew nuts. I've got mixed nuts. I've got uh, Thai sweet chili coated peanuts. I've got smoked pigs in blankets. I've got sure. strawberry fruit hearts. I mean, all sorts. Yeah, I just, These companies are, you know, big retailers, aren't they? Yeah.
2: Those are your customers that you are pitching this product to. Sainsbury's, Tesco's, we deal with all of them. Audi, little everybody. I think we've got about eighteen different customers. I look after Tesco's mainly, but it is you are you are pitching at um, you know, people that know their know their trade. But um, you, you know, actually you could you could come up with a, a great idea. And um, I did one the other week, which was like a, um, a banana coated. It was a banana powder coated nut. Which they, they said no, no, it doesn't doesn't fit. So you just Pass it, move on, go on to the next product. So you have to be. There's quite a lot of. Um, um, you have to sort of sit back and not take offence, and just go, "Okay, it's not right for you. It could be right for somebody else." But actually, no. We'll, you know, we'll just move on to the next product. So, um, so you're then you're generally left. Um, if you're going to go in to show a brief to a customer, you've got um, say a brief that's going to launch. Five products. You will generally go into the customer, you'll start with, sorry, at the beginning, you'll start with probably around about 40 products. So you'll then cut that down. You'll say they don't work, bit of kitchen work, bit of cost work. You're going to go down to about 30. You'll then take that back to market research. They'll say five don't work, 10 don't work. So you're down to 20. Then you go and recost. You're probably down to 10, maybe 10 or 15. You then show those to the customer. They take out five and you're left with 10, and then you do recost and rework and change, et cetera. You've got to go back to suppliers and change ingredients. And, so there's a lot of toing and fro with with the customer. And then from that, you're then potentially going to have your five that are approved to launch. So the yeah. customer would say, yeah, we want those five. They can launch. And the my role is quite unique because we, and my team as well, is we actually um, organize the trials we go into the factory. We uh, we run the trials. We then do all the mic the uh, the micro um, testing, uh, shelf life testing. All that stuff goes on in the background. We do we do all that, and we record all that data. So it's quite intense. Quite and intense it's very vision.
0: data. It must be very data driven because now yep. you've got so much standards to I guess to reach in terms of That's what's what, got to go on pr- packets what and everything I was, going
1: to, I was going to say I'm looking at all these products there which are <laughs> lots <laughs> lots of them um, <laughs> that, that I'm just thinking now because we have the whole um, I don't know what you'd call it about lots of people being overweight eating too much salt eating too much sugar yep. like it's a very big thing Do you have to? Obviously, you have to take that into account when you're making a product. Um, Because I'm looking at all the nuts here and like peanuts and salted (laughs) peanuts. And do you do you have to like? Is it a very thing you have to be really conscious of when you're making it?
2: That's a really good question as well because we are at the moment going through a bit of a um, a change in the industry and it's it's to do with a thing called HFSS, which is high fat, salt and sugar. So it's all, um, it's, a, it's around the fact that, um, you know, when you walk into a supermarket and the end of the aisles, so the front of the aisles, you walk, as you walk down, you see the ends of the aisles, they are a massive uptake for businesses. So if you put a, a product on a normal aisle, you'll sell one. If you put a product on the end of aisle, you'll sell 10. It's huge, It's about 200% markup. So, um, But what the government have now done is they've brought in a thing called uh, HFSS. So if something is high-fat salt sugar, you cannot put it on the front of aisle, or the end of aisle, sorry. So so what we're being challenged by a lot of um, supermarkets now is that we have to develop products that are non-HFSS and non-high-fat salt sugar. So fortunately, with things like um, with nuts, funny enough, they're actually – quite healthy because you've got the right fats Mm. um obviously not too high in salt but certainly the right fats are there and you've got the protein and the fiber as well so it it depends on 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 how you develop it we've we've been asked by a lot of customers now to do healthy healthy lines Mm. and um but yeah that's i would say that's a, a good point that's one of our one of our major drivers really for where we are
0: We are just going to interrupt this episode for a few minutes just because we have a life-changing offer for you. If you managed to listen to episode 19, Your Style Matters, you will know that we interviewed the managing director of global company, Colour Me Beautiful, Cliff Bashforth. And we are delighted, both Liv and I, to have Colour Me Beautiful as a sponsor of the School Run podcast, helping you to absolutely change your life with colour and look fantastic every time you walk in a room, a party, a business meeting, whatever it is. As we know, every day is a school day, and this special offer is for the school run listeners only. You need to ring Colour Me Beautiful and quote the school run to take advantage of it. But, Liv, why was it so life changing for you having this colour analysis done?
1: It really opened my eyes to how the different colours, depending on how they reflect on your skin, how they can lift your face or not lift your face, and then you get this amazing colour palette with all the different shades of colour which you can take into any shop or any time you go shopping and put it up against a piece of clothing so you know that it'll look perfect on you and honestly I've never made a shopping mistake ever again.
0: It actually is cost effective because your whole wardrobe starts to work together, everything that you pick out goes with each other there's so many other sort of opportunities you can have with a consultant as well, they can look at your style and your body shape and your makeup and all sorts of things but the colour analysis is the starting point and this special offer is for our listeners only so what you need to do is ring the head office number and you need to quote the school run so that number is 01772 750 052 01772 750 052. or you can email cliff himself cliff c-l-i-f-f at cmbdirect.co.uk that's cliff at cmbdirect.co.uk obviously you can follow them on social media you can see our social media pages to find out more about them or visit their website colourmebeautiful.co.uk it is a life-changing experience to have your own personalised colour palette to help you in all areas of your life business pleasure leisure holidays relaxed sportswear it's just loungewear it's just honestly life-changing so if you want that life-changing experience go to the show notes all the details are on there of our sponsor and as I say ring Colour Me Beautiful directly get in touch with Cliff and quote the school run back to the episode probably because of the nuts and snack industry there's a lot coming out now with me making things with lentils and lentil chips and all of that stuff, isn't
1: there? And I I was going to say about also in the shops, this woman talked about yesterday at the event, um, how they say on packages, they say like 40% less salt and all that. And this woman saying, it's a trick.
2: (laughs) Some of them are. Some of them are, be honest. I mean, what I would say is for my company, it's not because we we are very, very black and white, but it's, um, I think you have to be careful. And I think some of it as well will lead on to, Another, should we say, feather in my bow as well? When you're saying about fundamentals, it's kind of um, um, it's quite a good link actually to it. No,
0: and that's what I thought the link would be. Actually, I was thinking exactly the same as you, Dan. That you know, it, you are so passionate about healthy food and and food being in Its raw, simplest, yeah. most healthy format that that was where fundamentals came. <laughs> but go on, I then. have a
1: question. I have another question. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> my grandma is always like, Liv, you're always asking so many questions. Anyway, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. What I think is, do you know how you said this new thing they brought in, HFSS? Do you think that because you have to remove that, that obviously like sugar, salt, fat, it makes it taste good? So, do you ever? Do you, like, add more – do you understand what I mean? If you take away the sugar, it's not as sweet, then do you add in more stuff to, like, compensate for the fact that you're not allowed to have that, if that
2: makes sense? Uh, Yes. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. You can either start looking at artificial, which is artificial sweeteners, which is not great. Artificial sweeteners are just – I mean, going back to my sort of fundamental thing here again, but the artificial sweeteners are sometimes even worse than normal sugar. They still give you that high – that, you, that you're trying to avoid. But um, the other thing is you then become quite inventive around how you um, season, how you sugar things. So it's trying to go back to natural sugars, so sugars that are already within within products, and, and, and trying to balance. And also a lot of people are sort of very negative about, oh, you're taking salt out, there's the flavor gone. Well, what tends to happen with salt is as you start to reduce salt, other flavors come through, so they balance. And it, it's surprising mm. when you start to, especially with spiced um, products like the sweet chilli and things like that, is as you reduce the salt, the spice level actually starts to balance and come through, whereas before sometimes the salt makes it worse. But it's um, does that kind of answer your question?
1: Yeah, I do have one more. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this <right>. is, this, <laughs> this, a this is my again. last one, I promise. It's my oh, last one. No, you carry but, on, it's fine. <laughs> it's not. Do you know how now everyone's very conscious about where the food comes from yes. and it's like carbon footprint and where you're getting all the ingredients from and everything? So, like, do you also have to, when you're calculating all the ingredients that you need to put in it, is that also something as well? You think, well, where is it coming from? Is it, like, organic or all that stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're doing we're doing organic for, uh, for Waitrose. But what I'd say is really where um, the, the tricky part for us is the fact that a majority of our ingredients are from South America, um, yeah, USA. Um, some of it you find is, is sort of Eastern Europe as well, but China as well. But what we try and do is we try and minimise that wherever we can. If yeah, uh, you know, we've we've recently been doing some work with a company in Australia, but we've then moved to a company in Italy to be closer to the home and try and get those miles down. Um, but I think it's a it's it's a, it's a, a good point. It's just it's not a struggle. It's doable, but it's just a we have to give it some real thought. But. Uh but on but the, it's,
0: on the ra- it's so certainly on the radar of what you're doing in terms absolutely.
2: of you know, absolutely. I time. think the next
0: generation that's coming up, lives generation, they're all about sustainability. They're all about being greener. That you know, they're, they're they're challenging us in different ways, aren't they?
2: Absolutely. And then on, and on the on on the from the fundamentals point of view, which is something really I I kind of fell into. Jane, you, you've you've got to take credit <laughs> <laughs> for the name when you came down. We were. We were banding around different names. I can't remember some of the ones. They were rather weird, I think. But eventually <laughs> well, we I, remember, to... I just
0: remember you <laughs> cooking in your kitchen. You were cooking a beautiful meal for Julie and myself. We'd got in from Little Voices and you were cooking away and creating this masterpiece for us.
1: Why have I never been invited? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think you will be one day, sweetheart.
1: Um, Honestly,
0: you know, so we were just, and you were saying that you really wanted to educate people because, you know, a bit like Julie and I bang on about and all of our wonderful franchisees at Little Voices, you know, the arts are not prioritised in school and, you know, it's, all about the core subjects, equally, you know, traditional subjects of cooking and sewing and and DT, really important practical stuff is not given the time that it's needed in in curriculum and school. So you were very much about, you know, how are we going to, everything always boils back to education, doesn't it? If we can educate people to cook better meals at home, be more cost effective with what they're what they're buying and cooking and how they're doing that, then that will be great. And Liv mentioned in a, a podcast about, you know, this instant thing with this generation where they just tap Deliveroo to get something delivered. and
1: They have no resilience to cook at all. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't
0: arrive, well, what are we going to have for tea? So <laughs> you were really, really bad, you know, you really wanted to educate people on cooking in a smarter way. And we were just banding around names, weren't we? And, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden out of my mouth came, it's going to be called Foodamentals. <laughs> Fundamentals of <laughs> and food. And you said, Jane, you're going you yeah. going to own some copyright in this or something? <laughs> and I was like, no, absolutely, you can
2: have that She said no. She said, you can have it, Dan. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was um, it came it came out of really frustration. I think from um, the fact that I the first of all the the obesity epidemic and it is an epidemic at the moment. It, absolutely is. Um, uh, and and just seeing um, how, even being doing nosy things, not being obvious, but nosy things like going into supermarkets and looking at other people's toys. <laughs> Sorry, I do do, I that, I do but that. I do that. I do it. <laughs> but, uh, I'm
1: thinking, what are you cooking out of that? Like, it's all from the freezer. It's all full of added salt and
2: sugar. <laughs> it's all brown. That's it. It's all brown. <laughs> yeah. Brown or white. But it, it came out of that. And it also came out of the fact that. Um, when i when i went to school i had home economics as a as a choice a class they don't do it anymore why not you know just it's a, like, you, just some of the learnings you can take like you said before about you know, um about little voices is more about confidence and building confidence and learning you know how to perform and, and be in front of people and it, it those sort of things are absolutely imperative but the same thing with food is that when you if you can learn how to just cook basic things, the fact that my, the generations that are coming through now have no cooking skills at all from school whatsoever. So it's about, it's about making sure that, And but rather than saying, you know this, have you ever seen Ready, Steady, Cook?
1: Yeah, yeah. years
2: uh, ago, yeah. I I hated it. <laughs> <For the fashion. laughs> because what it did was it it, it put, four ingredients in front of a of a chef or a celebrity chef and it, and that person would then come up with five dishes now that did completely the opposite to what it should have done was that people looked and gone i can't do five dishes that's impossible rather than going there's five ingredients make one dish mm. don't do anything else just make yes. it good and show people how to do it so it was it mm. was about that and it's also about um a few years ago, I did a thing called a glycemic index um, uh, training course in London, and it was uh, originally it came from Australia, and it's all around – sorry, i am going to really blurb out this stuff now. Sorry, I've really talked t- t- for Britain. Um, it's about – um, it. Sorry. No, we <laughs> love about, it. We love uh, the detail. Yeah. I do. <laughs> it's about um, – uh, uh, and it all comes back to um, your glycemic index, your sugar levels in your bloodstream, so that when you eat – your, your sugar levels go up and down. And what happens is is if you eat something that is full of sugar, then you get a spike. You get a spike in your sugar level. So your sugar level goes up. Like a, I'm doing this on video here, and you people can't see it. Obviously, me waving my finger. Um, <laughs> there's a spike in, in your sugar levels that, that reaches very quick, very high. Then what happens is when it hits the top, your sugar level goes off a cliff, and it goes, I need more sugar. So one of the things I tasked um, some friends to do once was is to have a breakfast in the morning, zero sugar, so some porridge, fruit, just avoid sugar at all costs, and measure the time between when you've when you've had that breakfast and you are then hungry. Then the following day, eat a sugary breakfast and measure the time again. The sugar breakfast, I guarantee you're hungry before, way before. So you've just got that that high. And then, and you were
0: talking about this kind of stuff like years before what we're hearing now on you know podcasts that I listen no, to yeah, no. books out there mm. you know you were talking about these you know sugar spikes then and it's you know I I listened to one just recently and they said you know breakfast that word breakfast. Actually, is the most important meal of the day. Yeah. Is the most important meal of the day. That statement came from a, a huge brand, apparently, um, that created a certain brand of cereal. So everyone now thinks that breakfast, that <laughs> is the most important meal of the day, is the most important meal of the day. Came from an actual branding company wow. to get their cereals eaten first thing in the morning.
2: i didn't know that at
0: all wow breakfast obviously (laughs) is break the
2: fast
0: yes so at some point you know when your body feels hungry yeah because we've gone to having who told us that we need three meals a day like where did that come from i think that's stupid it should be when our bodies like babies need (laughs) to eat like you're saying when the sugar is when you're ready to be hungry then eat He's fascinating, I think. And then I the think- other,
2: sorry, the other thing as well that's worth noting is that one of my sort of key things is that the whole calorie um, classification is completely flawed. Completely oh,
1: thank flawed. You. I've been trying completely
2: to tell you <laughs> Ign- ignore it. Ignore it. <laughs> and it comes out of research back in the nineteen forties, I think it was in the US, where the guy who did the research on it. He then went to the the US government, whatever they called it, and, and and gave them research, but got it completely wrong because he did it over. Um, I think it was something like thirty people, and he told them it was three thousand, and it, it was completely missed. And the whole thing around what why calories do what, and it, it it was and it was taken on by the government and then given, and it was like it was completely flawed. And and the yeah. the other thing that is again another. Boring fact, but I find it very interesting. Is the um, the reason for the um, for the high obesity levels in the US when it first happened is down to President Nixon? This is the thing about the education thing. I'm trying to get over to people is you need to learn yeah. why, and it's President Nixon. So back in the 40s, I think when he was when he was president, maybe earlier, maybe later, he was trying to incentivize farmers to farm. So he wanted to give them government grants to farm, and he incentivized them to grow corn. And farmers went out the whole of America and started growing corn because there, there were incentives there for them to do it. There were subsidies. So all the farmers stopped growing everything else, started growing corn. So the one byproduct out of corn that, you, that was, they found a use for was corn syrup, which is what they call high fructose corn syrup. So that went into everything. It's basically sugar. Effectively, it's a high sugar sugar. So suddenly, they found they were creating all this corn. That then um, they had subsidies from the government, from the U.S. government, and then it they would create by processing that corn, corn syrup, sell it on, and it would go into everything. So suddenly, everybody was starting to eat corn syrup in breads, in pa- everything. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The- so, so back to your fundamentals. You <coughs> wanted to strip this out, knowing this sugar spike, knowing this corn yeah. epidemic. To just people looking at food and considering what they're eating, yeah. and going by what when they feel hungry to eat next. I,
1: I yeah, I was just gonna say about the calorie thing. <laughs> I was saying you, to you this to you the other day, how like your body doesn't know what a calorie is, but it, it like it knows what fats, proteins, and carbs are because it has enzymes that break them down in the body. Like it doesn't know it's what what a calorie is. So we, wh- why it's, why it's a thing makes no sense <laughs> to me and. All the, I had another thing as well. Um, <laughs> i passionate on this topic. No, I am very I love passionate. It. About, I'm very passionate about this topic. It was, um, oh, I had two things to say oh. and it's gone oh. out of my head. No, one of them was, do you want know to just carry on. It'll come back to me. Sure one, one,
2: one of the things that's well worth doing as well is when I was saying about calories, ignore calories, is the main thing you need to concentrate is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are the biggest driver of calories, but if you concentrate on those, if you open a packet of something or you turn something over, generally if it's, if it's um, anywhere of around about 50 or 60 grams of carbohydrates per 100 grams, walk away, just walk away. And wherever you can try and avoid um, – Just sorry, one, another one of those facts as well. Can you name me the biggest reason for, um, for, for kids' um, dental problems at the moment? What's the reason for dental having teeth removed? Oh,
1: I, I want to say In what
2: they want eat. sugar. No. No? <laughs> no, it's one of these facts that people don't know. But, uh, but it's it's actually what we call refined carbohydrates. And one of the biggest things is crisps. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's because what what happens is when, yes, sugar is bad, absolutely, for teeth. Not Not denying that at all. But if you, uh, what happens is with refined carbohydrates is when you eat things like crisps um, and usually things like um, unrefined breads and things like that, is when you eat crisps, for example, you will eat the crisps and most of that will then stick to your teeth because those are made of refined carbohydrates. It's made of you know, potato starch and then just powdered and pulped together. So when you then eat the crisps, the crisps then stick to the inside of your teeth. And that's what then builds up the plaque and then causes the problems. So one of the learnings from food fundamentals and i that I I've, I've try and impart to people is that if you can avoid at any cost refined carbohydrates, and when I say refined carbohydrates, I'm talking about white breads, uh, most bread if you can, pasta if possible as well, there's another one which is refined, sugars, crisps, without a doubt, avoid, And obviously, sweets where possible. I know I've sent you some sweet (laughs) samples, but uh, it's um, it's refined carbohydrate. If you try and think of it as less about sugar and fat, think about refined carbohydrates. That's the thing Mm. that puts on weight. So if you start Mm. to, um, if you um, if you can cut down on those, then uh, especially things like white bread. White bread is probably one of the worst things that you can eat. And I'll, as a very good example, excuse me a second, because so my, my, my camera is now running out of battery, so apologies.
0: <laughs> Don't worry.
2: Just let me just plug that in. Oh, that's better. Right, got it. And um, hang on a minute. That's right. Oh, are you still here? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah we're still
0: here. We just can't see you on the camera, but we can still hear you. That's better. <laughs> you got me? Yeah, got you, yeah, yeah.
2: So... Um, yeah, so, it's, so I was talking about refined carbohydrates, wasn't? Was I talking about I've forgotten now? <laughs> yeah, white, white bread, white bread, yes. and how so, how bad it is for you. Sorry, I know I will go on a lot about this. <laughs> so, so white bread is, um, and I'll, I'll come on to something. An offer, there's an offer on the table here as well for somebody that's listening. So let me get to that. So white bread is um, is about uh, oh, sixty, maybe longer than that years ago. White bread used or bread used to be made traditionally by uh, full proving. So it would be proved multiple times. It would then be fully baked and then sold. All right. About 40, 50 years ago, the, the uh, the bread industry automated. They suddenly went to full factories rather than little bakeries. So when they went to full factories, they sped up the whole process of producing bread. And what that did was, it sped it up, it made it cost efficient, they could Chuck it out the you know loaf at a time, and what happened was the the whole bread process became too fast. So it's the way that it, white white in particular, but certainly with brown bread as well. There's some of the you know the sort of cheaper off the shelf kind of loaves, but white bread in particular, um, it's produced so quickly that effectively when you take that slice of bread and you eat it. It's still alive, and I don't want to scare people here <laughs> it's, it's, it what happens is the the because your um the proving process uses yeast and the the baking process and the proving process is so quick in a factory it is effectively not fully cooked, so that when that bread then hits your stomach, what it does is it hits your stomach with a warm wet environment, and then what happens is the yeast becomes alive
0: yeah. and
2: you then bloat. Now I I was playing golf this afternoon. With my, this morning with my dad, and we went for a bit bite to eat, and the only thing they had was white bread. <laughs> so I had a sandwich. I'm not eating white bread for years. Wow, and I bloated massively. It was really uncomfortable.
0: I know yeah. come like yeah. now full circle where everyone's talking about gut bacteria and the healthy gut bacteria in your gut, but white bread is so anti that. Yeah, isn't but it? I
1: think if you baked it yourself or if you got it from like a proper farm yeah. shop,
2: yeah, then so it's, I mean, probably it's probably cooked properly. Yeah. If you take a slice of white bread from a supermarket and you put it into your hand and squeeze it, squeeze it together, it'll turn into putty. And that's what yeah. it's like, because it's not fully proved, and it starts to then... So then going on to my... So I've been, I do talk a lot, don't I? Sorry.
1: I really interesting. I do, I do remember what I was going to say, though. Go on, on yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> so what I, I was talking to you about this the other day, about how, even though sugar, well, obviously they brought in this new rule about it, but no government will ever ban sugar because they make too much money off of it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they will right. never. Have-
1: they will yeah. never ban it, even though they say, oh, my gosh, it's so awful, you know, <laughs> you need to stop eating sugar. Well, you won't ban it because you make too much money off of it, which is why I think and the education thing that you do with food and mentals, I think it's very important because when you go on YouTube or Instagram, I think that that like market is so crowded of people just saying fake stuff.
2: yeah absolutely like, good, very they're all just
1: saying fake stuff to get them some more money it's not based on scientific fact because you don't actually know what they're talking about yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a massive market so
0: tell us about foodamentals, dan how do you i mean obviously you fit this in as your passion around a very uh heavy full-time <laughs> workflow which you absolutely love and are very passionate about and obviously clearly very good at but what um what does food and look like? Now, I've seen a couple of your videos on Facebook. I've followed your Facebook page, followed your Instagram. And I love seeing you just cooking and talking about yeah. the, the raw elements of food and these we just, facts. We need more of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, thank you. But it's great because I want to I do more of it. It's very sort of time-limiting at the moment because of work and everything, but it's something I really want to do more of. Um, but one of the things I'm going to be trying to do going forward, there's, there's two things really. The first thing is um, there is an uh, is going to go out an offer from here today to anybody listening um, if they want to – and I won't say um, lose weight. It's not about weight. It's about eating healthily. If someone wants to learn more as a one-to-one, I would be quite happy to do something like this we're doing now, but specifically talking about someone's specific diet. And and how? In fact, I used the D word there. Sorry, I should never use the word D diet. I shouldn't say it <laughs> because it's one of the words I hate. It's more about understanding food, and so that the, the first thing is is the offers there for to be able to do a sort of one to one session, and that's something maybe I want to maybe explore going forward mm-hmm. rather than, and as well as what I'm doing at the moment. Um, the other thing as well is that um, out of seeing lots of food programs and um, you know uh, cooking demos and that kind of stuff, a lot of it is pre-filmed and edited and yeah it's, it's all very very structured. I'm actually going to be trying to do um, a, an idea where we can actually film and do a video of a, of a meal but just do a, a fairly quick meal um, but do it live. so just film it as one take. Yeah, so yeah, this is one take yeah. of how you make something. And not Honestly, make it- Dan,
0: I, reckon, I mean, you're cooking meals every night of the week for you and Julie. I yeah. know that you're that she doesn't go in the kitchen, and you're that you're the <laughs> man who controls that. But you know, just put your Instagram live on and just film yeah. you doing the process because yeah. I've watched you cook. It's fascinating. Even knife skills. My goodness, I would love to know how to <laughs> properly use knives. Why do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and understanding those foods, I think is fantastic. So I'm, I, I really love food and mentals. Really and obviously I have a personal passion for it because I was involved in
1: <laughs> yeah on
0: the other in, in the starting bit. Yeah,
1: I have one more question.
0: Oh gosh, right. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: no, I, I feel like this is a thing, but I might be wrong because I'm not a nutritionist. But Dan definitely is because he sounds like. <laughs> it. And what I think is, I feel like people, okay, some people do eat too much. Yeah. Right. That's that's very apparent in my eyes, looking when I'm uh, you know looking at everyone's shopping trolleys. <laughs> but I think some people don't eat enough. Yeah. So like especially not I don't want to say like lose weight, but if they have that goal of you know just being healthier for themselves, you know, like my grandpa who has type 2 diabetes and he needs to do some exercise, but it's hard because of the strain on his heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know people try and restrict everything out and then they actually don't eat enough and then when you don't eat enough your body can't function so then it tries to conserve everything that Absolutely. it has and then yeah. you can't lose weight so I yeah. think people are scared to eat too much but actually that's what they need to do but more of the right
2: things so oh, you you've hit the nail right on the head it's very um I'm quite impressed it's very, oh, <laughs> it's very much it's more about Eating the right things, in, the, yeah, pretty much the right quantity. But it's eating the right things, and and a lot of it really, really does come back to blood sugar level. For me, is that yeah, it's the spikes in your in your levels that make make the difference. But it's uh, but certainly I, I will I will definitely try um, the the live thing. I mean, I was doing some cooking. Um, I'm also sorry, another further to my cat. I'm also a singer as well. <laughs> I know, I was going to come on to that. So you're also a singer in the Swing Pins, yes. um, which I absolutely love. I've seen keep busy, you know. <laughs> but, um, maybe,
1: maybe when you do your live video, you can sing, sing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: thought sort of, could, you could do that, yeah. I don't know, but it's... it's um, yeah, sing along a chef. Um but uh, yeah, I mean honestly
0: you could have the you could have the music on in the background, giving <laughs> us a, you know, a few renditions and cooking. And then maybe bring Liv on to your live video with our Instagram and she'll I chat to her. The, I can
1: be the taste. Tester. She'll ask
0: she'll ask you a million questions as you can tell. <laughs> she'll be the taste
2: tester and the backing singer. There you go. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, just yeah, tell so. us very
0: just tell us a little bit about the swing pins and so, um what, what you do with them.
2: Um well ca- it, it came out of um the need to switch off from work, biggest reason was just finding something to focus on. And again, I'm trying to let's talk about me, but talk about things that I can impart to other people on these kind of things. Is that it? Is that if you can do something that is um, that can you can switch off? So you you, you have an intense job, and you finish it at the end of the day and go right. I need. To, if you're focusing on something else, that's what I love doing. So I started singing about oh, blimey, 15 years ago. Um but I met up with a, a very good friend of mine that I still sing with. Um and um start and I I was brought up again, shout back to my to my mother as well, was uh I was brought up with um uh, Rat Pack and Swing and Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis oh, Jr. I love
1: Frank Sinatra
2: all the time. Oh. <laughs> and uh um so I, I've heard a lot of that as as a child. And then, um, so joined up with, um, a, a, I'm singing with a guy called, uh, called Danny Shackle, who's a very good friend of mine, best mate. And um, we sing um, anywhere, <laughs> really. So we've done weddings. We've got a wedding this Saturday. Um, we've, we've got a, um, a couple of bars, uh, cocktail bars in, in Peterborough that we, we sing at as well. We, we're going back for our eighth gig, I think, there uh, in, in August. Uh, we've got another couple of places um, that we're singing at next month, so it's 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 not too often. It's just as and when um, we, we can do it, but it's really there is just a, a chance to to switch off and just enjoy and sit back and 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 it helps me unwind. Um, and I absolutely, absolutely love it. Just really really enjoy it. Yeah, as well oh, that's brilliant.
0: And I think that's. <laughs> You know, you've, you've given some real health and life style tips Very throughout this podcast. I like
1: it because it's based
0: on science. Yes, absolutely. Live likes it because it's based on science. But you've got all that food knowledge and that health for you physical health, but you're having this sort of switch off time, this downtime, learning music, singing for your mental health and to you know, level out the stress levels of a, a very you know, a very, very difficult job that you that you've got on the balls that you're juggling on a on a day to day basis. It's just just
2: you've got <laughs> how you not it? <laughs> They're juggling of, well, yeah, a lot more balls than yeah.
0: <laughs> well I've got you I've got you and your job in food development to thank for Julie actually being one of our very first franchisees and oh, yeah. moving with your job to the middle of the country um yeah. and her taking on and becoming the entrepreneur oh, that I she love, is now. I love
1: Julie, she's my
2: favorite. <laughs> There's a similarity as well between um, uh, yourself, um, uh, Jane, and my dad as well, because you, you obviously started out very small in your house and yeah, built from there. My father is—he um, he was a um, quantity surveyor, and he started a tiling industry out of his garage, and he became, mm-hmm. I think, one of the second—I think it's the second biggest uh, tiling companies in Europe. So wow. it just shows you how from just someone's garage or office, just going from there to, to where he was was... You know. Yeah,
0: well, from acorns, great oak trees grow, <laughs> don't they, as they say. And there's a few things that we've not really touched on, but I'd love to know if you've had a teacher. I know you've spoken about your mum, so she's obviously been a huge inspiration for the food. But have you got another teacher or mentor from school or through your profession that you, you know, that you feels really helped you and guided you?
2: There was a... One that always sticks in my mind is a guy called Frank Thompson, and he's he was a um, a, a chef teacher at, at college at Catering College, and he was <laughs> he was a character. Um, he um, he was one of these guys that sort of managed to blag his way out of anything. He was just he used to, but he always used to talk around the fact that he was um, ex SAS, and uh, which he obviously wasn't. But he was. I think he might have been in the army at some point. And we even wound him up one time when I think it might have been not when the Falklands was going on, maybe too early for that. But um, we, I think, the Falklands had happened, and we even, as a as a an, in the college class I was in, we we mocked up a letter, <laughs> we mocked up a letter from the uh, from the uh, MOD to um, to uh, for him to be uh, seconded to the Falklands, <laughs> and, and posted it <laughs> as a wind up. But he was absolutely... But what he did was, sorry, that was a bit of a funny story. But he, um, he, but he liked that, sort of liked the banter. But he was very, he was inspirational. He, he, he gave me enjoyment for cooking. He made it fun. Um, he, he's one of the. I have one of my knife skills. I have is when I'm holding a knife and I'm chopping on a board, I bang the knife on the board, sometimes for no reason. But it was the <laughs> idea was he would always teach us to do that because if there's any stuff on your knife that you cut it, you just bang your knife and it comes up. And I do yeah. that now, for sometimes for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> because, and and he he taught me really. I mean, I went when I did my hotel Olympia. I got the silver medal, I think, on the Tuesday, whatever it was. And he was entering on the Wednesday, and I'll never forget. He went in for a competition for a, I think it was a, a Chinese meal, main course or something, and he'd forgotten to do a. Um, a garnish or something, and he went out in the middle of this catering competition. There was loads of stands. It was thousands of people. And he went out, and we were tasked to find a a Chinese cut, one of these sort of delicate-looking frogs. It was a frog made out of cucumber. So, he, <laughs> so I went with him. And we found this stand, and this guy was showing his knife skills, and he paid him for this, for this frog. <laughs> took it back to the... The stand for his competition, and he won it. as well. <laughs> wow!
0: <laughs> so but he's, I think you did something really interesting there, Dan. That you know, you, you said he he was fun, yeah. and we talked about this only today that you teachers have to bring that subject to life. They have to yeah. make
1: it
2: fun, and I think when that's, did we
1: that's talk really about important. that today? I don't remember. <laughs> on the way back from the gym, we did definitely did not. I was I mean, singing the
2: whole way back. We did. I, I remember when I had a I had a geography teacher at school. And just again, I stuck him. Up, didn't didn't like him at all, and he didn't like me. I don't think. But I was I was told at quite quite a youngish age of when I was going through exams or whatever that you'll never you'll never pass geography. No, it's you know, just that kind of attitude was just completely opposite Frank Thompson. And that, but on the other hand, that made me go stuff you. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it, and I did. So it's just <laughs> it's, there's you know, So but certainly Frank was. Um, and there was also another guy called Stuart Rolfe as well. That, um, it was the chefs that I looked up to. There was a, also a guy called um, um, Anton Mosserman, which I don't think you'll know, but he's he was a Swiss chef from the 80s, 90s. And all the chefs looked up to him. And I met him uh, along with Rick Stein and went for, for lunch at a, at a uh, at, uh, Mosserman's club. And I sat next to Rick Stein, and again, another. Mm. Yeah, large and life character, really nice guy and um um and uh we left almost together. I sort of followed because he was like wow <my odour. laughs> and then the <laughs> next thing I knew was that um, Anton Mosserman who if you can imagine I don't know who who would be God to you Jane but you would look out and go, Oh my god, that's yeah <laughs> I don't know who it
0: would be, but... No, I don't know who it would be for me. Who would it be for you, Liv? Who would be, like, looking at someone and going, wow, yeah, they're my idol?
1: Oh, I don't know. But I do would <laughs> like to say something. I learned recently when we went to Cornwall that Rick Stein definitely owns Padstow. Like, oh, everything yeah. in that place has his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everything. Oh, and the other story, I know we have to finish, but the one about your geography teacher, we learned the other day, didn't we, that the guy who created... Weatherspoons, that big, um, he named it after the teacher who said he would never be anything in life. So his teacher, I think, was called
2: Mr. Weatherspoon. And then
1: he had to walk past those shops every day
2: and just just (laughs) think.
1: I know. <laughs> so we learned wow. that yesterday.
0: We were at an event yesterday called Developing Future Winners, and it was an incredible event with schools and businesses, and it's all about empowering young people. And it was just a phenomenal day out. Like wow. we're involved in, in partnership with the podcast and, and the I Voices, that. and we learned that from one of the, the speakers. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> just coming on to you know some. You, you said earlier that your younger self advice would be just grab that opportunity, just take it because you yeah. never know. Where it leads you, Liv and I have decided that on the podcast every day is a school day. So at the end of these podcasts, everyone, as well as doing our school memory, which we'll come on to, but everyone needs to take away something from the podcast. Like, what have you learnt? Like, because we listen to podcasts, don't we? And unless we, like you, write them down with Siri, we sort of forget <laughs> what the, what we've learnt from that podcast. So, what have you learnt this episode, Liv? A lot. I can't pick out
1: one thing. Don't ask me to. You can't ask to do one thing. No, I can't. I've learned too much. Okay, no.
0: my, Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> my one thing that I'm going to take away from today is that probably I need to eat a little bit more because you get annoyed with me that I, I restrict on calories and restrict on this. But and-
1: calories are... I was going to swear them, but I'm not going to swear. They're really bad. <laughs> okay,
0: we've already learned some science behind that. What have you learned from this podcast, just being on it, Dan?
1: That I ask
0: oh, too
2: many questions. No, that, what, what I've learned is is the biggest one is is how much I've enjoyed it, first of all, which I was sort of quite scared. It was quite scary. <laughs> me, not of you guys, but just the whole process of doing it. And also, yeah. for me, I think the, the just... I've I've just been really happy to hear all the questions coming back as well because it's great that you you, you realise that it's getting through uh, that you know, you're listening and you know, you're taking on ideas so it's and, and I've I've, abs- I've loved absolutely every minute of it it's just oh, that's uh, amazing
0: so we're going to challenge our listeners this week for the first <laughs> week to really write something down that they've taken from this podcast yes. and put it into action because yesterday I learned a statement commitment uh, is an act not a word so to be committed to something it's an act not a word and so maybe if you write something down from this podcast yeah, it might make in the
1: metaphorical it, sense commitment is act A word, it's in the English dictionary. I'm going to do
2: my live (laughs) videos.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, there we go. Live his, videos. It's yeah. publicly said it now, so we all
2: need to
0: go and follow fundamentals, and then we can
2: watch. Even not necessarily live there and then, but I will just do one ta- one take videos. So this is yeah, right. Just, just go live, Dan. Do you know go what? On. The more lives you do,
0: the better <laughs> it gets, and the easier it gets. Definitely so let's yeah. finish. Then it's the it's called the school run. You've been on our school run journey with us today. What's a memory that you'd like to share with our listeners of your school run memory?
2: Uh, it, it's a uh, it's a slightly sad one, but I don't want it to come over as sad because it it made me what I am. But yeah, it's one of those things you do. But when I when I, um, I um, my my mother and father separated a long long time ago when I was very young, and then my mum remarried and I didn't get on particularly well with my stepfather. I'm honest with you. And what happened was he would he lived a number of miles away from where we were. Sorry, he worked a number of miles away from where we were living. So, um, and he commute there every day, and it just happened because I think my mum was working in London. I'm not sure where. And um, he would then they would they registered me for the school near to where he worked, which is about half an hour's drive away, forty minutes drive away. So I resented that because I I knew the school I wanted to go to and you know, near to where we were living, and um, I remember going. In the car with him every day to the to this to the school. It was in Lenham in Kent, and I, I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> but but the 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 spin on it for me was the fact that yes, I did hate it, but actually, what it did was it made me uh, do what I think is probably one of the one of the biggest tips I can give you um, today is talk to people. Be open, be yeah. Just just communicate and talk to people. If you, if you walk into a room full of people, is just talk, make friends, and that's what makes it. So what what that school run did for me was it initially made me feel very alienated and very sort of oh I'm in a different school. It's not where I want to go. My stepfather's dropped me off. That I don't like and all this stuff. And uh, and my mum's re, has remarried since then, so don't worry. <laughs> but um, and it was just all around um, then going into a new environment and meeting new people and making new friends. And I've still got friends that I keep in contact online um, that I knew from from the, the school that originally I didn't want to go to. So yeah, absolutely. Just- and
0: also you had that careers advisor at that school you didn't want to go to, and that was... Exactly opened up yeah. when you said i love cooking and they said we'll go and train to be a chef and go yeah. to catering college you know that was a completely different avenue well that's a lovely school memory to, and to end from, on
2: just talk to people that's my, my biggest tip mm-hmm. is just you walk into a room if you go somewhere just 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 chat if you're in a theater somewhere or sitting next to somebody on a train is just just talk yeah so yeah
0: <laughs> thank you thank you for joining us on our school and chat and we will um if anyone wants to follow down look out for foodamentals we'll be sharing lots when the episode yes, comes out um and watch his live videos thank oh, you absolutely so absolutely loved
2: it it's been fantastic well, thank you so much and well done and Liv, you you're brilliant you're both brilliant oh it's thank, been, you. Oh, thank just, you i've just seen seen you transition from this quiet little individual to (laughs) asking (laughs) loads of questions and she's on she's on film now she's got a cuddly toy so that shows you she's she's young at heart (laughs) (laughs) thanks Dad. well thank you so much
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run podcast. If this is your first time listening, please go back and maybe listen to a few other episodes that we've previously recorded. There's lots of interesting topics, people's different roles and careers. We're sharing all of these stories to inspire and empower young people. That's our reason why you don't have to have it all figured out at school. My co-host Liv is my 15-year-old daughter, and I just keep telling her her that school is just a small chapter of of life and there's so much out there if you just say yes to those opportunities. You don't have to have it figured out at school. We're privileged to be having these conversations and we're really thankful to our guests for coming on please would you hit the follow button on the podcast channel that you're listening to us on. This will really help us to grow and improve the podcast long term. It'd be lovely if you could write us a review on the podcast that you listen to us on and maybe give us a star rating. Lots of people have already bought us a virtual coffee so that we can have some chats and plan the content going forward. The link is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run and as Liv has already told you in the middle of this episode we do have an instagram the school run underscore official and we also have a linkedin showcase page would you just share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with one other person today that would really help us thank you so much don't forget to click that follow button and we'll see you again next monday at 6 a.m